You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks. Welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dengel. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dengel. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and Brennan Chagru. I am, boys, I'm really bummed that Logan couldn't be here tonight because I just, I had a feeling that that he would be extra spicy tonight and just have some good stuff for us. If you want to find Jack on Twitter, you can get him at bear down jack patrick sheldon you can in fact read him on the windy city as part of the fan-sided network uh shells love that last article you can find him on twitter at p underscore shells brendan chagru the assistant editor of bears wire he's so freaking good at what he does and you can absolutely positively find him on twitter at brendan chagru that's s-u-g-r-u-e boys First question out of the gates. I don't, I don't want to hear how you're doing today. I want to hear instead, I'm going to change it up a little bit. What do you do to put yourself in a better mood after a crushing loss like we had today? Let's go Jack, Brendan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. Nachos. Nachos make, they, it makes everybody happy, right? Throw some, all kinds of great stuff on there. I just, I just lean into watching football. Lean into watching my bets. I had one one wager save all my wagers today. That was fun. Um, watch my fantasy teams. Go outside for a walk if it's nice. And yeah, you know, you just live your life because even though we love our bears, it's not worth ruining a Sunday over. All of those things that Jack said uh, for me today it was take a nap. Um, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was explaining to the guys before I had a wedding this weekend. Just been way too many parties over the last few weeks and man uh, am i tired so there's nothing better than taking a siesta watching red zone and just hearing the soothing soothing tones of scott hansen tell you that um other teams can score points in your team camp there it is it's not so much what i do it's what i don't do which is stop drinking uh that seems to help you start drinking in anticipation of the game and then the game happens and you you don't stop just to uh, ease the pain, but no, um, as a father of three little, little ones, uh, I don't really have much of an opportunity to dwell on it. It's, um, you know, they, they bring you back into reality pretty quickly. So spend a lot of time with them and, and be a dad. Uh, and that is how I get out of the doldrums that are watching our, um, triple a affiliate Chicago bears. It's going to be that kind of night tonight. I just got that feeling. Jack, before you get hop in there, I know there's something you want to ask, but Sheldon, this is really important. I know you're a whiskey guy and you know, if if you and I ever do get together, we're going to enjoy some some delicious whiskeys. Are you a whiskey guy on game day or what's your what's your drink of choice on the game day? No, not typically. I'm a beer guy on game day. I'll have a few beers, IPAs or or something a little bit heavier, but 
Um, no, I'm not a uh, not a bourbon guy. <laughs> that would be dangerous. I feel like that's very dangerous for game day because you yeah. get you know too riled up. Suddenly you're chugging that <laughs> sipping drink, and next yeah. thing you know you're five in, and you're starting to see two different screens here and there. Yeah, it would not be it would not be a good podcast in the evening if I uh, if I got into the bourbon on game day. You can probably hear it in his voice, ladies and gentlemen. I'm worried about you, Patrick. Are you okay? It, the, today, today shook me, folks. Today, it, I'm, I'm just uh, like I said uh, backstage before we jumped on. I, I don't know why I spend time and energy on this team anymore. It's, it's tough. It's, uh, I've been a fan for a long time, um, you know, many, many, many years, and have a very low bar for this team to make me happy and to meet my minimal expectations, and they fail miserably year after year. And uh, it, it's it's tough to watch. It's it's tough to see the train starting to veer off the tracks. And um, I just I don't know. I don't know that they have the ability to get it back on the tracks at the moment. I, I don't have faith or confidence anymore in their plan for Justin Fields. And I really like Justin Fields and I still believe in Justin Fields. Um, but I don't like I don't like their approach to his development. I don't like their their offensive scheme. I don't like their in-game play calling. There are a lot of things that I really don't like that I don't understand. And it's hard to see how this thing gets back on track at all this year. And he's not irreparably damaged uh, by the time we go into 2023. I hope I'm wrong, but it's, it's, it's tough to see this guys. It really is. Today was very discouraging for me. Sheldon, I love you. And you know that I love you and I'm smiling and no one can see that I'm smiling, but I am smiling because usually I'm the one that has the, the meltdowns. Usually I'm the one that gets really emotional about games. And today, as soon as I shut the game off, I said, Hey, let's go for a walk. I took my daughter. I took my wife, the dogs. We went out for a walk. It was 65. It was sunny. It was beautiful. Like the perfect fall day. And I just, guys, I'm in a good mood. And I think you know, I think back to last year, Shells, when I had my absolute freaking meltdown after the San Francisco 49ers game. Man, I, I do. I feel for you, but I'm also smiling. It's tough because there is a lot of hope, especially for me at the beginning of the year. You know that. You know how high I've been on Eberflus and how much I like Fields. And to see them have this dynamic quarterback, this uber physically gifted quarterback um, on the roster and to see what they're doing with them, it's like, it just, I don't know. It really, uh, it really takes the wind out of your sails. It is discouraging. I, I kind of am in the same camp as Ryan a little bit. I was, maybe it's just the, the tiredness and the sluggishness where I was like, well, that sucks, but I'm just going to go take a nap instead. But you do start to feel like this unbreakable quarterback with Justin Fields, which we all believe or believed, maybe some people have thought about him. Maybe he is breakable. Maybe if you do put him in those situations where he isn't advantageous, where the offensive line is crumbling, he doesn't have those weapons. You're starting to see those cracks. And now you see him just unwilling to, we we talked about the hesitancy and unwilling to throw the ball when he needs to, but when he's got defenders barreling down on him, you don't blame him at this point. And just the play calling, it really comes into question. So it is kind of one of those things where you're like, is this guy actually is this guy an unbreakable quarterback? I don't know at this point. Yeah. It, you see him rip those early throws and you start to think, okay, here, here we go. They're going to open it up a little bit and, and uh, step on the gas and let him cook. And 
And then what? And then the rest of the game happened. Very discouraging. Well, uh, they can't cut the entire Chicago Bears offensive roster, folks, but they can do a hell of a job cutting hair. So if you are looking for a great haircut and you're in the Chicago area, check out Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years with seven barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book either online or by phone at your convenience. Visit Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Boys, I know we have a lot of thoughts about this game, and I do want to get to those. I do want to get to the outhouse and the penthouse. But before we do, let's, let's, let's hear how this thing went. It's time for Brendan's Breakdown. Let's hear it, baby. The Chicago Bears and the New York Giants squared off in this state that has created countless winners such as Snooki, Mike the Situation, and Ronnie. And just like the Jersey Shore, this game was straight trash. Michael Penn Badgley stalked his way into the Bears locker room off the street this week and scored every single point for them today, scoring 12. For the Giants, they got things going when Daniel Jeremiah Jones told draft analysts to lay off their mock drafts for next year, showing he could win without throwing a pass. Jones and the Giants ordered the bootlegger club from Jimmy Johns with his impressive runs. Saquon Narles Barkley got into the action too, making Bears fans crazy with how many times he was getting the ball. But even with the Giants scoring touchdowns, the Bears were still in the game until the very end. That is until Skip Bayless Jones had a take about LeBron that was too hot. He couldn't hold on to it and fumbled the wall on away on a punt return. But even then, they had one more chance with a little pitchy, pitchy woo-woo with a what here and a there until it ended when Cole Komet, of all people, dropped the ball. Giants 20, Bears 12. Well done, sir. You nailed it on the New York thing. I was there twice and I was thinking about Chicago versus New York. And I know Chicago, Chicago all day, every day. New York was nice, but especially, well, you remember my story about New Jersey. So (laughs) the snooky stuff and trash resonated with me. I want to know, did the Michael Penn Badgley thing resonate with anyone? No, I need, no, no, I didn't, I didn't get it. All right. So, well, I'm going to explain it for those who don't know. He's the star of the show. You and basically his whole thing is he stalks people and he weasels his way into people's lives. So I was really hoping that was going to like land with somebody. The listeners okay. will get it. Yeah. Well, some of them will. Here's the thing. Like, I, I think now at this point, I've seen so many shows that it's hard to like differentiate characters from which yeah. show and stuff like that. Minus a few that like really, really stuck with you. Like Walter White, you'll know for sure. But a, a few others, like we watched you. Eh, it was okay. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't bad. I thought right. about throwing Ryan Badgley in there just for honorable shout out. Oh, the badge. I love that dude. Okay, gentlemen, let's do your quick overall thoughts of the game before we go to outhouse penthouse. So please try not to ruin your outhouse penthouse. Just overall quick thoughts on the game. Uh, things that you noticed stats that stood out to you or just about anything you want to say about this one for this. Let's go. Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. Quick thoughts, boys. Uh, the word that just comes to mind is sluggish all around. Um, I think that Luke Getze has shown for his scripted plays, he actually knows what he's doing. And he was able to like have a heavy, a nice dose of run and pass. And we saw the Darnell Mooney play on the second series. 
and just things start to crumble. I don't get it. He he has a rhythm and then he goes away from it. And I just thought overall it was a cowardly performance from the offense, from the head coach. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the thing that stood out to me was on the second drive after the Giants scored their seventh, or I'm sorry, seven points on the touchdown. The Bears were trailing seven to three. They had the ball at the Giants' four-yard line on a fourth and two. They chose to make a one-score game a one-score game by kicking a field goal on the road. That made zero sense in the fourth quarter, or in the first quarter, excuse me. I didn't understand why you're you're playing for just, you know, just to get any points and then punting late in the game. It was sluggish, it was cowardly, and just no rhythm once the first two drives ended. I can't explain it. I don't know what's happening. It was chicken shit. That's exactly what it was. It was cowardice all around. Uh, they lost to a team whose quarterback went eight of 13 for 71 yards and who didn't have a quarterback for part of the fourth quarter. We're running Saquon Barkley under center and that they was lost the game brutal. to the Giants because Ugh. Luke Getze is a coward. Matt Eberflus is a coward and nobody had the stones to actually, uh, you know, step on the gas and take this thing. This game was there for them to go to three and one very easily. And they failed to do it. They they almost seemed like they had no desire to win this game. They were playing not to lose on the road against one of the worst teams in the league. And if we can't beat the Giants with Daniel Jones completing eight passes for 71 yards, who what are we doing? Like, what what is this? Everybody talks about this. We need to win games and, and Iberflus needs to win games. How many games are they winning with this approach? If they can't beat the Giants with this approach, who are they going to beat? So let Justin Fields play football for crying out loud. Let him throw the damn ball. You did it in the first drive, and he completed a beautiful pass to Mooney. And then it's it's almost like we, we thought that was our one and only opportunity, and we, we can only complete one pass more than 15 yards in an entire game. We stopped doing it. Why can't we do what he does well? Why can't we attack on offense why can't we treat this guy like he's a second year quarterback and the number 11 overall pick and a stud coming out of college instead of a gd undrafted free agent playing his first gd game in the nfl why that's my thought about the game i wish i had an answer to any of that but unfortunately i don't the roster isn't very good we knew it wasn't very good ryan and i were talking before the game I mean, the amount of rushing yards they're giving up. I mean, take take anybody on the defensive line or any of the linebackers that are helping to support Roquan and, and think about whether or not they would be playing or starting on another team, just as a for instance. And if you go up and down the roster, you're going to see the same thing. And again, I think we all are understanding of the fact that this is going to take some time from Justin to Getsy to the polls, to the roster, all of it. I, I get it. But when they play like crap, they play like crap. Only other thing I'll say is I, I like a good pair of boots, falls rolling around, nice pair of dress boots with, with some jeans and a sweater. That's a, that's a pretty cool fit. But why? This is the weirdest boot game I've ever seen. Like the bears couldn't run a play action boot pass and couldn't stop a play action boot pass. I don't know as if I had ever seen anything as odd as that was in this particular game. Weird. I really wanted Brian Dable to be the bears next head coach. And he showed a, it, it's so funny because there were so many things that were so similar 
between the two teams, not very good defenses, can't stop the run, but he just schemed better than Getsy did. I mean, I, I, I don't think that you can really argue that. And how, how, I, I don't understand Daniel Jones. Like Logan Bradley talked about it in the pregame pod, which by the way, Brendan, you and Logan crushing the pregame pod. It is fan freaking tastic for any of you that are not listening to that. Please make sure you check it out. He said, put a spy on Daniel Jones. Cause that dude's going to run and guess what he did over and over and over again. So yeah, I just, you know, I, I wanted Brian Dable to be the head coach of this team. I would have liked to have seen what he would have done with Justin Fields. I wonder if he would have still had that same run first approach with Justin, or if he would have let him throw it, man, I don't know. There's a whole lot of other stuff to talk about, uh, but all of us picked the Bears to get a win. And so right now our records on the season, Brendan, Jack and Logan are at one and three. I'm at two and two and shells. You're at three and one. Uh, this this team is it's it's an enigma I, and I just don't get it. I have a quick question. Just let's put ourselves in a different mindset here. If you're the Giants, if you're a Giants fan. How do you feel about this win? I mean, you're talking about Daniel Jones passing for like 71 oh. yards. I mean, how do you feel if you're in that position? I'm curious. Ryan said it. There are so many parallels between these two teams. I would have felt the same way I felt last week when I was just completely indifferent after we beat the Texans. It was just even if you're like, three and one. Yeah. Even if you're three and one, because look how you won. That's not sustainable that there's no chance they're going to beat a decent team with 71 yards passing from their quarterback. Like no other team's going to fall for that fake every single freaking time. Think about when the bills come to town here and, and you try to run out that kind of offense where your quarterback, you have to throw the football yeah. in the, in the national football league. You, you have to. And, you know, I, I, I think shells, you might've retweeted that Michael Vick or, so, you know, I can't remember if it was you, please let me know, but saying, let, let the training wheels off, let this kid throw it. And, you know, we know that this team isn't going anywhere. So let this kid play, let yeah. him throw. Yeah. That That's it, Ryan. And, and something that Jack said, like, we knew this team was going to be bad. And for me, I, I don't want anybody to, to um, misinterpret what I'm saying. It's not about results. I'm not expecting this team to win 10 or 12 games. I just want to see them play. I want to see improvement each week. I want to see progression. I want to see a plan. I want to see direction. I want to see them commit to Justin Fields in, in a way that their play calling uh, looks like they're committed to Justin Fields. And I'm, I'm not seeing any of that. So it's not just about results. It's not just about numbers and stats. This game, it can still be enjoyable without winning uh, a lot of games. And it hasn't been this year. If Justin Fields was slinging it like he did in the first quarter, I, I would, and they would have lost by three touchdowns. I would have been ecstatic just to see him develop as a passer. And that didn't happen. Gentlemen, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwallader with at properties. You think about buying or selling a home. There's really only one person you should be talking to. That's Jeff Cadwallader. He's not going to put you in the most expensive house. He's going to put you in the right house. He's going to be patient with you. He is the freaking man. We are huge fans of Jeff Caldwaller. He's making it happen for his buyers. He's using proving tactics to help his buyers get the contracts. And like I said, it's not about paying the highest price. Contact Jeff today to learn more. Visit GenevaJeff.com or give him a call or a text at 
4734. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys. So the Bears lost. It is time to go outhouse, then penthouse. And for this, let's go Jack, Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, outhouse, boys. I don't know. I think perhaps I'm going to be accused of having some sort of a disdain for edge rushers, but Hey, Robert Quinn, are you, are you still the all time leading sack King for the bears? Like you had one tackle and one quarterback hit. I don't know. We either don't get to the quarterback or if we do, we miss him. Um, And we need Robert Quinn to be good for a number of reasons. We need him to be good in the short term for our own success. We need him to be good in the long term so that if we are going to trade him, for any type of trade capital, then he either way he needs to play well. He's just hello, are you are you with us? Did he make the bus? Does anybody know? Robert Quinn, you're in my outhouse. Can I put Matt Eberflus's testicles in the outhouse? Because that's where he left them, I think. Um I'm gonna put those in the outhouse. The Bear Down Chicago podcast does not condone castration. Thank you. Wait. We're family-ish, so I use the medical term. Um, not what I wanted to say, but he played scared today. I, I said in the beginning that you, Brandon, you're absolutely right. He, this he's game, a he's an upside down heart, right? Is he's that an upside down heart? Yes, he's a coward. Uh, every move he made today was scared. It was a scared move uh, to punt the ball in the fourth quarter instead of trusting your quarterback in fourth and two to not trust your quarterback when you're uh, near the goal line in the first quarter, the third and four call when he ran the ball, like, okay, I get it. If you're going to run the ball twice and you're committed to going for it on fourth down, then I, I understand that the third down run, but then to, to kick the field goal on fourth down to not put the ball in the hands of your dynamic quarterback on third and four, then the play before just became even more curious. He just, he's, he's scared and he's, he's calling games like um, he's in the last year of a contract trying to save his job instead of a first year head coach who has been charged with the responsibility of developing uh, a franchise quarterback and building a culture in this roster. And, and I just, I don't understand it. It's week after week, they're playing tentatively. And I just don't think that's the way you should play. I, I I don't, I don't understand it. And so, um, so his, uh, his marbles are in the outhouse. There's one direction I really want to go just so Ryan can't go there. Cause I think it'd be funny, but I will go with Lucas Patrick specifically at guard. First off Lucas Patrick, not starting at center for yet another game makes zero sense to me. We've seen way too much of Sam Mustafer. Uh, I had a few people reach out. They were actually just laughing at how we just completely went off the rails with Sam Mustafer last week. Hope, I don't know if we'll do that again, but He's clearly healthy, and the interior of our, your offensive line has been pretty suspect, especially when it comes to pass blocking. Guess what? We saw it again today. But now when he's playing guard, he is just not looking good at all. And for him to get the start over Tevin Jenkins, and I'm not saying Tevin Jenkins had a good game, but I think there's a lot more upside when it comes to Tevin Jenkins at guard. And now losing Cody Whitehair, he left the game due to injury. Hopefully he's not seriously hurt because Lucas Patrick at left guard, that's not a fun experience I want to be a part of anymore. It's like as soon as he went in, when Whitehair got removed from the game, when he went back with his injury, I think they let up a sack right on his side. It was almost just immediately. And so Lucas Patrick was brought here to be set, be the center. 
He's not doing that job. And if Cody Whitehair is healthy, please, for the love of God, just see what he can do at center. Can this guy not snap a ball or anything? Like, does it dribble down his leg like Sam Mustafer? How can it be worse? And Sam Mustafer, we, like I said, just abysmal in pass blocking yet again today. Six sacks in the first half when, when it comes to the Giants on fields. I, I, we don't need to see any more. Guys, can I ask a genuine question? Is Matt yes. Eberflus? Yes, you can. Is Matt Eberflus a doghouse guy? We haven't had a coach who has put guys in the doghouse in a while. Is Tevin Jenkins in Matt Eberflus's doghouse? Is he the kind of head coach that will stick somebody in there? Is is he doing the Lucas Patrick thing because Getsy loved him in Green Bay? He was know. a backup, and he like I he wasn't great there. The reason he was a backup, and I, he's not good. And he was supposed to be the center because our center sucked last year. Yeah, I I don't get it. It's almost like Jenkins is in his doghouse, and it's going to take something miraculous to get him out i don't know why he's not the full-time right guard the only guard that should be in his life is right guard like the deodorant otherwise he shouldn't be at any guard ever again nice one jack nice one dad jack yes yes it was all right so boys uh it's time alan williams defensive coordinator for the chicago bears he he's he called a terrible game i understand he doesn't have the talent on the roster. He doesn't have very good linebacking play. He, he is terrible front four. Uh, I think the secondary played okay at times. Uh, Eddie Jackson, you know, that was, that was awesome. But what are you doing? The fact that for the entire first half, they gave up that bootleg, right? Where Daniel Jones is just free and clear, just wide open to run wherever he wants to for an entire half. And then when both him and Tyrod Taylor go down and Saquon Barkley is, is playing the wildcat. They don't stack the box. What are you doing? What are you calling? You're giving up. Your team is giving up 183 yards rushing a game, a game. (laughs) Like the defensive coaches that have coached this team that have done a really good job. Like Nick Fangio, are you kidding me? Like that dude is watching this just like, probably throwing up just a little bit like, Oh, Hey, I was once attached to this team. And now, so it just, no, no, thank you. I'll argue that a little bit. And just, I mean, I'm not going to argue that Alan Williams wasn't trash in the first half. I don't know. After the first big run for Daniel Jones, that should have been the end of it. It's very clear to put a spy on him. And frankly, it should have happened from the start. We all knew that's what the giants game plan was. But when it comes to like the actual run defense, I really just don't think they're talented up front. I was talking with the Irish Bears guys earlier today. They lost a lot of talent on that defensive line. They're a bit smaller. They're getting bullied around. I mean, I think that is partly coaching, but I also think they're just, you know, it's a roster issue at some point. So um, at least, thank God, they actually made an adjustment. I can't believe it took an entire half to do it, but I'll, I'll just want to, I want to argue part of that with like the run defense, because like I said, I think they're, they're overmatched at times. The the two things I'm, well, first of all, are they still not like given up a touchdown in the second half? Correct. Because I mean, that, that, that is still pretty freaking impressive. And so there is some level of halftime adjustment and then second half defense that is impressive. I'm not going to be an apologist, but I do wonder sometimes just having coached a bit, you, you will tell players to do a certain thing 
and then you watch the game and the plays unfold and they don't do the thing and you don't know why. And it's unexplainable and it frustrates. I don't know if it's like their inexperience or, or the roster, or if it was just a lack of an adjustment, but it, but it was egregious. There's, there's no doubt about it from player all the way up to coach. Like how how do you not stop that naked boot? That's ridiculous. I I will go back to the very first thing I said when he doesn't have enough talent, but this was not his best game as the Bears defensive coordinator, and I will stick by that. Gentlemen, this one might be a little bit tougher, but we're going to go around to the penthouse. For the penthouse, let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. You are a wonderful man, Ryan Dangle. You are a wonderful man. Because uh, I'm not sure there's anybody else to put in the penthouse, but Michael, the money badger, uh, Badgley. And uh, Brendan, you alluded to it in your breakdown. He scored all the points for the Bears. Uh, that was it. He was the main show today, right? What everybody came out to the Meadowlands to see. Uh, a kicker that was just signed off the scrap heap yesterday, being the Bears' not only leading scorer, but only scorer, uh, kicking four field goals to give them their only 12 points of the game. So uh, good luck with the rest of this uh, this show, guys, picking a, a somebody else for the penthouse. I took uh, Michael Badgley. and not I, cool. I, yeah, I do it uh, without hesitation and second thought. So best of luck. Well, this is like a fantasy football draft because this <laughs> makes my second pick way too easy. Uh, it is Eddie Jackson. We're starting to get into the territory that we were in with Robert Quinn last year, where Robert Quinn bounced back and he kept having good games and good games. And you start to say, hey, like this guy's actually having a pretty good start to this guy's actually good again. And I think Eddie Jackson is good again. I can count one play that he just did not do well. It was on, I'll, I'll, I'll say the bad part first. It was on a long Saquon Barkley run. He read it perfectly. He just executed it poorly where he just shot the wrong gap. Saquon ran by him, unfortunately. But Eddie Jackson finished second on the team in total tackles as the free safety second. He had nine total tackles, six of which were solo. In fact, there were a few times where when Daniel Jones was actually rolling out on those boots and finding tight ends, Eddie Jackson, it was only him and the end zone. And Eddie Jackson saved a few touchdowns there. So for the Eddie Jackson can't tackle club, Eddie Jackson can kind of tackle. He also had his, had his interception, his third one of the year already, and another pass deflection. But hats off to Eddie Jackson because I think we, we can finally move past that this guy's doing well to – this guy is good again. He's playing fantastic in this defense. One time I, I farted and shot the wrong gap too. And it was one of the most embarrassing <laughs> things. Jack, you were on one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Wright show. <laughs> you have to laugh. So you don't cry. <laughs> because this is like, this might make you cry because in my penthouse is the illustrious punter, Trenton Gill, who had five punts, uh, average of 52.8 yards and three inside the 20. I think he also filled in and did some kickoff duties for Cairo Santos, who was out. And um, yeah, that's a low point. Uh, a punter is in my penthouse for this game. Good luck, Brian. Who you got? Honestly, dude, I, I think that's a good one. He he was worth the draft pick. I mean, at least it sure seems like it right now that he he seems to be doing well. I I am actually excited that this one didn't get picked up. I'm kind of surprised that it didn't. Darnell Mooney, four receptions for 94 yards. Boys, 
he almost had a hundred yards receiving, which is about a hundred more than he has all season long. And so he actually showed up on the stat sheet, that 56 yard reception, you know, in that first quarter, it was awesome to watch, you know, I, I was starting to lose a little bit of faith in him, but it sure seems like he's still got it and he can still be that guy. Uh, so it was just nice to see that happen. That was super depressing, guys. My God. It, it wasn't it wasn't good. It was, it that was a punter like, and a kicker. Yeah, that was like trying to tell a friend you like their tattoo, even though you don't. You know, it's like, hey, what do you think of this tattoo? Oh, it's really colorful. <laughs> or like going into a house. The metrical. <laughs> Or, or like going into a house and when somebody says, oh, what do you like? You know, how do you like the house? Great. Um, the toilets are pristine. <laughs> so, boys, I shook it up a little bit this week. Instead of me, I'm just going to peel back the curtain a little bit. One of the things I try to do with True False is what are the things that Bears fans are saying? And that's kind of where those come from. And this point, I said, hey, let's just throw it out to Bears fans and see what they say. We got some really good True False. I got a lot of them here for you, boys. Hopefully you're okay with that. Uh, so let's start off with, and I did not write this. So our guy, Iowa Bear, so it's just Iowa Bear. True or false, Justin Jefferson will torch Kyler Gordon for more than 200 yards next week. Let's go. Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagru, and I will finish it up. I'm going to go true. I think the line is at seven right now. I, I'm thinking it's not going to be pretty at all. I mean, unless they decide that they're going to you know, try to do some shell coverage on on Justin Jefferson, which which they should do. I mean, I suppose if it's if it's just Kyler Gordon trying to to, to you know d up Jefferson, that's just not going to work. So, but I'll say true. I'm going to say false. Is Jalen Johnson going to be back next week? Um, I'm going to say false only because I think he's he's going to be back next week, um, and hopefully Kyler Gordon won't be on Justin Jefferson. If he is, I'll change my opinion. But as of right now, I, I don't, they're going to have to do something else other than leave Gordon on Jefferson uh, for the whole game. So uh, false. I'll say false as well. Even if Jalen Johnson isn't back, there is no way in hell that Justin Jefferson isn't getting help over the top, no matter who it is, whether it's Kyler Gordon or Kendall Vildor or Lamar Jackson, or I don't know who else, Jalen Jones. It's It really seems like the Vikings, especially lately, have just struggled to kind of move the ball. And as good as Justin Jefferson is, he's going to pop off like at some point. And it, I'm not going to say he's not going to have a good game, but 200 yards, nah. Maybe like 125, though. I'm going to say true. I, I think he's primed for a really good game. I don't think this defense is very talented. Kyler Gordon, go back to any of the podcasts, you know that I am not a huge fan. I would have much rather had this team get a wide receiver than Kyler Gordon. Uh, and you know what? I, I He has had a couple good plays. He really, really has. A couple of flash plays that say this kid could be good. They're asking him to do a lot of things or having him cover outside as well as cover inside. And he's going back and forth. That's a lot for a rookie to take in. With that being said, He's playing terrible right now. And I, I just, I don't know how else to say it in, in one, in one drive, he gave up 46 yards and penalties alone. Like he's, he's, he's terrible. So hopefully he will turn it around and play better. But right now, yeah. 
True or false, the Bears are more than one offseason away from contending. Let's go Patrick, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. This is such a good question, and it's really tough to answer because I, I think it hinges largely on whether this staff believes in Justin Fields. If they're committed to Justin Fields and they think they've got their franchise quarterback, then I will say false. They're not more than a season away. I think they can they can turn this around next year. I'm I'm starting to worry whether or not they feel that way and whether or not we're headed towards, you know, some kind of patchwork quarterback where, you know, they're looking to bring in some kind of middle middle of the road veteran uh, to bridge the gap until they can draft somebody. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I hate that I'm even having this conversation that I, I'm even having these thoughts creep into my head, but the way that they are calling these games and, and the way they're approaching these games offensively has me really worried that they may not think uh, of Justin Fields the way I think of Justin Fields. And, and so, you know, uh, at this moment, I'll say true because that is such a big question mark for me. And until this staff answers it and their actions and how they call the game align with the stuff that they say in their post-game press conferences about how much they believe in this kid. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to believe it. And so I'll say true. They're, they're more than a year away. I'm kind of with shells on this. This is really hard because there are so many variables, not only for the rest of the season, but next off season, I guess just to, I'll say true because not only to kind of piggyback what shell said, do they believe that Justin Fields actually is the guy? We don't know that yet. Uh, They can say all these things, but then we see the games actually be played and we're like, well, not sure about that. The other thing is we have been talking about next off season as like, this is going to be the big money cash cow. This is everything's going to be fixed. They're going to spend it. They're going to draft and fill in needs. And I believe they will, but we don't know yet because Ryan Poles, we thought the same thing this offseason. Hey, they're going to go out and get these guys. They're going to sign these, you know, at least mid-tier wide receivers like Christian Kirk and Michael Gallup and maybe make a trade or two. We didn't see that. We're kicking the can down the road here. And I'm not saying like I'm out on Ryan Poles or anything. I still think they will, but we haven't seen it yet. And we haven't had anything I guess that's leading us to believe that is definitely going to happen. And will they spend smart too? We don't know. So I I guess right now I have to say true, but I think they can do things in the off season to become a contender, to at least become a fringe wildcard team. I'm going to say false. I'm going to go with some Jacksonville Jaguars kind of vibe here. We've seen it turn around in a season for some teams with the right coach. Here's the talent changes everything talent changes everything I, I always think about you know when when you have like an all-state coach that that coach will always say you know what I was a crappy coach until I got that seven foot high jumper and that kid who could run four or five in the 40 and then all of a sudden I was a great coach so I think if they are infused with talent and they are set up to acquire that talent we could see a turnaround sooner so I'm going to say false Brandon, I think you're the one that got me thinking a little bit about Lovey Smith's first couple of years, the 2004, 2005, 2006. And I definitely see some parallels with this team just a little bit. Uh, they don't have the talent on this roster at all. I do think that they're going to spend 
big money. Maybe not all of that cap space, that hundred plus million that they're going to have, but I do think they're going to do that. However, I still think this is true. I don't think next year is going to be the year. I think there's still going to be some growing pains, but I think this team will be a hell of a lot better than this team right now. You know, when you get free agents, some of those are going to hit and some of those are not, you know, are they going to make trades for, for some big players? Are they going to draft all that stuff? There's a whole lot to see. I think they're two years away. Uh, as of right now, I did not give credit to that one out. And so Richard Gage, I am really, really sorry about that, Richard. Uh, this was a phenomenal true false. Thank you for submitting it. This one from my guy, Levi, uh, basically out in Nashville. Levi says, we would have won that game if Brian Dable was our coach. True or false? Let's go. Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagrew, and I will finish it up. I'm going to go true on this one and I'm going to give you credit, Ryan. I do think you were right about scheme specifically using Saquon uh, as a decoy, being able to um, use the fact that the bears were overplaying so drastically on Saquon. I I thought the bears had a a nice opportunity. If you're going to, if you're going to commit yourself to the run as the bears have said that they would and not be that concerned about the development of the passing game, well then, well then use that. I mean, if I'm the giants, I, my whole scout, my whole prep this week would be, what are we going to do to stop the Bears? We're going to stop the run. And so I don't think that Luke Getze and I don't think Flus necessarily schemed or game plan in a way that set up the Bears to be successful, especially on offense. I'm going to say true, and I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say the Bears would have won this game if Matt Nagy was the head coach. You you shut your mouth when you're talking to me. What, you what stop you, that what, why, right now. What? Yeah. What is what? That's yeah. a hot take. It, it is a it, it is Patrick, a hot take. Are you okay? I like sick. I said in the beginning, guys, this game was there for the taking. It was, it was such a winnable game. If, if Matt Eberflus called the game like he wanted to win it, if he was just a tiny bit more aggressive, and here's here's the thing: like somebody sent out one of those office memes, like you know, corporate wants you to spot the difference, right? And like one was bad but aggressive. The, the current head coach is bad, but passive. I think aggressive would have won the game today. An aggressive play caller would have won the game today easily. Um, and that's all they needed. And I think Dayball would have done that. And, and so I think if there was anybody else on those sidelines today who called the game with a little bit of chutzpah, I think the Bears are three and one at the moment. Matt Nagy? You think we need like more wide receiver screens? Here's a true or false. The difference. Here's a true or false. Justin Fields looked better in Matt Nagy's offense than he does in Getty's offense. No, don't stop saying gross. Trying to make me throw up in my mouth multiple times. I kind of said that earlier last week that he kind of did. He did. He looked way more confident. Way more confident. He looks. He looks so tentative and unsure of himself. and uncomfortable out there every game. It's just, this is not the Justin Fields we saw in Ohio state. This is not the Justin Fields we saw last year. He looks like a shell of himself guys. And I, I, we alluded to it last show. Like I don't know what it is. He looked like a quarterback last week um, who doesn't think his coaching staff believes in him. That's, that's what I said last week. He just looked unsure of himself and uncomfortable and, and like he was lacking confidence. He looked the same way this week, maybe a little bit better, but, he just looked more comfortable last year. I'm not saying Matt Nagy was 
a good coach. You know, I don't think that, but I have to be objective here and say, Justin Fields looked more comfortable last year than he does this year. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but um, I think if you had a more aggressive play caller today, I just, I honestly believe the bears win that game. Man, God help us if we're in a year or two, just having revisionist history with Matt Aggie and everyone saying he wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, he was. He was that bad. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand firm on that. That is I Sheldon, I don't I don't know how I feel about that. And I love you know, I love the fact that you said the word objective because quite a few of our listeners have you know, I reached out, I asked a few, and a few just kind of said something like, Hey, thank you for being trying at least your best to be objective on the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I, ooh, that one, that is, that is a statement. I don't know how I feel. I, I feel dirty. That's how I feel. All right. So back to the question at hand with the bears have won with Brian Dable. Uh, I say yes. And so true. I, I'm a big Brian Dable fan as well. And I was really upset when the bears did miss out on them. I talked to myself and Matt Eberflus. I think he has a ton of redeeming qualities, but when it comes to Brian Dable, it's interesting. I, this just came across my timeline. So I want to read it for you guys. This is from Pat Leonard uh, from the New York Daily News. When Daniel Jones and Tyra Taylor got hurt, Brian Dable grabbed a whiteboard and drew up plays for emergency quarterback Saquon Barkley in the offense from his time with the Buffalo Bills. And then he goes on to say, Daniel Jones noted, interestingly, that he believed part of the decision to take him out when he hurt his ankle was that he was unable to execute the quarterback rollout game plan, and Tyra Taylor could. So obviously Jones was frustrated because he could play, just not doing what they needed to. So... Even when they were kind of pushed up against the wall, Brian Dable found ways to run his offense when he knew that it could beat the Bears. It really feels like Brian Dable is making chicken salad out of chicken shit, because I know that's Shell's favorite word too today. And Matty Berflus and Luke Getze aren't able to do that, or they're able to do it, just not to the extent to actually win games consistently. So uh, Brian Dable found a way to win. And clearly Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze didn't. So I'll say true. I thought that was really impressive and really noteworthy that came out of that game. True. Brian Dable puts his players in the best position to win. He did that so often with Josh Allen. And I'm looking back to that game that they lost against the Dallas Cowboys. It's because his offensive line was just couldn't just couldn't pass protect. They couldn't keep him upright. And if they could, I bet that the giants are undefeated then at this point in the season. I, I think he's a better coach right now. It doesn't mean that, that uh, Eberflus can't be a better coach down the road. I, I think I I've said this a few times. I am not going to judge too harshly Eberflus this season. I want to see it back to back because I got, the snake oil salesman, Matt Nagy after the first season, like ah, I was wrong. He's perfect. no, you have to wait. You have to give a coach two seasons, I think, at least. And, uh, you know, it, it could be that Brian Dable is a flash in the pan. I don't know. But right now, he sure looks like he's putting his players in the best position to succeed. So you're giving up on this team. You're giving up on Justin Fields. She's like, what the hell? Oh, sorry. I just fell into a Twitter spasm. I, I'm back now. I'm sorry. Careful, Jack Wright. Careful. <laughs> what would we have said, though? We talked about it a little bit earlier. What would we have said if... Dable called the game he called today, but for Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. But here's the thing. Would he call that game? So, And I mean that sincerely, Shells, because it, it would appear to us, right, that, that Justin Fields is a better passer 
just not this season. We're just not seeing it this season. And so, you know, I, I think Daniel Jones has proven that he's really good at throwing interceptions and not a hell of a lot else where I think Justin Fields and that deep ball to Mooney, it was like, oh yeah, that's why you drafted this dude. So yeah. you're saying we just needed a more aggressive play caller? He needs weapons and a more aggressive play caller and Brian Dable is his head coach. Well, and keep in mind, Brian Dable, the Giants were missing pretty much all of their wide receivers today. I mean, with Sterling Shepard, Wondell Moore, you have the corpse of Kenny Galladay stumbling around out there that Brian Dable didn't pay. I mean, he is really that roster sucks. And you want to compare rosters? I I think the Giants are much worse, save for Saquon Barkley. So I think in that instance, especially when guys did get hurt, like with Daniel Jones, he was doing in that case what it took to win and trying to figure out everything else afterwards. So I, I get what you're saying. And that's why I asked it before. Like, how would we feel as Bears fans if we had or if Giants fans three and one, but having an offensive performance like that? It's it's yeah. tricky, but he did find a way to win at the same time with what he was given. Yeah, that, that was just the point I was making is that I, I think it really I, I think Camberflus could have easily won this game today. I, I just. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was necessarily like a a, a a competence thing. Like, oh, Dayball is just an offensive genius, and that's what it would have taken to win the game. It it in my opinion, it wouldn't have taken much to win this game for the Bears. Um, that's why I'm so disappointed. It is they didn't really need to do a whole lot more uh, to win this game. Just be a little bit more aggressive in certain situations, and they're they're three and one. Last thing I'll say. I, I realized that the bears don't throw the ball into the end zone. They don't. I mean, think about the last few games and think about today. There was one ball that went out of the end zone trying to go to Dante Pettis, but they don't, whether that's fields or whether it's Getsy, I don't know, but they don't actually attack the end zone. It's they don't throw the ball in the red zone. Forget the end zone. They don't throw in the red zone. Barely. Yeah. yeah. Now, gentlemen, we've kind of already touched on this one a little bit, but I, I do want to make sure that we hear everyone's opinion. Sheldon, I'm going to make sure that you go first on this one because you've already basically said this one out loud, but I still would like to hear everybody else on this one. So our good, good friend, Scott Swartz, uh, love, love, love this dude. He gave us three, but I'm going to stick with just this one. The Bears coaches are more scared of losing than they are actively trying to win. Let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Shagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. True. And I don't understand why uh, you're right. I, I said it earlier. I, I don't get their coaching as if they're Matt Nagy last year trying to save their jobs. Um, they just got hired. They are, they are, everybody knows we're in a rebuild and, and they're coaching as if uh, every move they make is under a microscope and they're going to be they're fired if they lose 10 or 11 games this year, when the reality is every single fan knows that's probably the reality. Um, I don't get why they're doing it, but if, if you look at the, the play calling today, you look at their, their play calling down by the goal line, their play calling in third down, their play calling in short yardage situation or their decisions to go for it on fourth, as opposed to kicking field goals. When you look at it, they are a very tentative team. They're a very, very conservative team. I don't know if this is who Matt Eberflus is. God help us if that's who he he is his entire coaching tenure. Because we, I, I don't, I mean, personally, I don't like that style. Um, you have to be a little bit more aggressive at times. You cannot be so conservative. Um, you know, 
that was kind of lovey, right? Like protect the ball. Don't make too many mistakes. Lean on your defense, lean on the run game, you know, be as ultra conservative as possible. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I it's oof. yes, true. They're very tentative. You know what's sad? I actually saw his progress when Matt Eberflus started to use his timeouts at the end of the first half because the Bears might have a chance to get the ball back, do a little double dip. And I'm like, well, at least you did better than the Texans game. So that's baby steps, I guess. But no, it's absolutely true. And Shells, you kind of went into what I was going to say. Matt Eberflus is coaching like he has the 2005 Bears defense at his back with future hall of famers who can pretty much get the ball back at will where it's like, all right, we'll, we'll kick a field goal and be down seven, six, instead of trying to go for a touchdown to go up 10 to three, because we know we have a defense that can stop pretty much anyone, especially this piss poor giants offense. That clearly wasn't the case. And it's almost like maybe that's me trying to like find a way or a reason why they're coaching so scared is because they have so much faith in their defense and they have stepped up at certain times, especially in the second half, but the giants just showed them that's not the case. And they went up easily on them. So if, if Matt Eberflus figures out that his defense is, is okay and he can't actually rely on that time in and time out, maybe things change, but right now, yeah, they're they're coaching not to lose. I'm going to say false. Only Luke gets only Luke gets. He is. I mean, defensively, I didn't check the stats yet, but they actually blitzed and brought some heat today, and some of it was effective. I just think that the quarterback coach turned offensive coordinator in his fourth game is clearly on the struggle bus and keeping his chess pieces all in the back row and perhaps trying to, you know, instead of win the game, not lose the game, instead of having fields be dynamic and athletic don't throw a pick don't turn the ball over i feel like it's mostly i'm not gonna say the whole staff i'm gonna say it's mostly getsy i'm gonna give up my time because i think you guys have already said it i i would agree with you guys it's true and you've already said the stuff that i wanted to say gentlemen thank you i appreciate you let's go really quick gentlemen and i please i am emphasizing the quick anything that we missed whatsoever that you want to touch on let's go jack brennan patrick and i will finish it up well, there's just this constant debate about whether it's Fields' fault or Getz's fault or the offensive line's fault or whether it's the wide receivers not getting open if it's their fault. And let's just, it's a confluence of all of those things. It just is. All of those things combined are making for a garbage dump of an offense that can't seemingly move the ball. And so I just, I don't know, like the debate is tiresome, to be honest with you. Uh, no one's given up on anybody here. It's just, they, they don't have the horses. They don't have the experience. They don't have the time. They, they are, they are pretty bad offensively in a lot of different ways. Two things quick. Uh, Bayless Jones made his rookie debut today and didn't do anything except return kicks and punts. And you know what? He couldn't really do that either. I thought the, the muffed punt, even though it was, very unlikely. I think in my opinion, the bears were going to score a touchdown and a two point conversion to tie. He made sure they didn't have a chance. And I think even his kick returns just were not good. He kind of hesitated at times, just not a great, not a good rookie performance from him. And two, we need David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert together. Okay. 
Let's not have this, well, Khalil Herbert's better. Well, David Montgomery's better. The Bears are better when both guys are healthy. Khalil Herbert did not have a great game today. He was okay at times. Granted, the Giants knew what they were going to do with him. But I want to see a healthy David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in the backfield because I know that's going to help the offense a ton. Yeah, great, great call, Brandon. I got two quick ones as well. One, uh, Roquan Smith should hire an agent because <laughs> uh, that that $20 million a year number uh, looks like it's going down every week. Um, and two, to piggyback off of what you said, Jack, I, I agree. And, and I think folks got to realize we can – we can isolate a play or a a person or um, just one or two things and be critical of it in the moment without assigning the entirety of blame to that one person player thing. Like it's okay to say, Hey, Justin Fields didn't do this right. And this is something that we're seeing a pattern of this season. And that's got to get better while also saying, Luke Getze's doing this poorly and that needs to get better while also saying the offensive line's doing this poorly and that needs to get better. It's we're not, like you said, we're not out on anybody. We're not saying Justin Fields is a bust or Eberflus should be fired or Luke Getze is going to be the word. Like it's okay to just make observations. And that's what we do. We see something and, and we say something and, and we give our thoughts and opinions on it. Um, and that's all it is. It's like, look, when we, if we get to the point where we're like, Hey, this guy needs to go. We said it with Matt Nagy. We, I said it with Mitch. Like I'm, I'm confident the four of us will get to the point where we'll be like, Hey, we've drawn a conclusion on what we think this guy can be, or this coach can be. We're not there yet, but it's okay to be critical of people. Um, and say that they're doing things wrong. And, and we, we tout the positive too. Like we say when people do things great, um, but like, let's not bury our head in the sand and pretend like stuff isn't happening just because we like the guy uh, under center or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like it's, it's okay to, to recognize that he's not playing well at times. So very well said, Sheldon. Thank you. George Pickens. Wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, six receptions, 102 yards. That's it. Steelers lost. Oh, yeah. But George Pickens had six catches for 102 yards. Anybody see Kenny Pickett's first throw? Like rookie. He he Freak. three three interceptions. He he was he was bull bad. But, but, but George comes in the game, his first throw is like a 45-yard pass right out of the yeah, game. Yeah. And I, I don't think they let Justin Fields do that at no. all this year. Or it looked like it actually the Patriots third strings quarterback had more of a leash, like a way long yeah. leash than the Gre- did. Sorry, Green, Brandon, what were you gonna say? Green Bay. Sorry, Brendan, I'm stealing from you too. Green Bay is not good. <laughs> They're not a good football team. I don't care what anybody says. They dude, uh Aaron Rodgers looked frustrated for through most of that game. I, I don't see them going deep into the playoffs right now. Of course, they can turn it around, but they're gonna turn it around because I just said something. But yeah, they're ugh. They're barely, they're doing just barely enough to win, especially the last few weeks. Um, no, the, the only thing I was going to say, I tweeted it out, but I think it's just absolutely hilarious. Mike Glennon got four full games with the Bears before he was pulled for Mitch. Mitch didn't even get four full games before Kenny Pickett comes in as a rookie. And I just, I think that's just hilarious that Mike Glennon got a longer leash than Mitch Trubisky. It's pretty sad. 
Gentlemen, I just want to say one more time uh, this week, I love being on a podcast with you guys and I love your takes and you are smart, smart dudes. And I love when we disagree. I love when we agree. And uh, you guys are awesome. Jack, what question do you have for us this week? We need to go out with some fun, some lightheartedness. I'm curious about your first car, guys. Did you have a beater? Did you have a hoopty? Did it have a nickname? Did it start? all the time or not was there some like crazy wild fun thing about it uh, let's go with ryan dangle shells brendan and i'll anchor the 1989 honda accord also known as the altoid mobile uh got us from point a to point b uh it was it, it was a it was a vehicle. Uh, there were rust marks all over the place. There was an aftermarket sunroof that uh, leaked, and I remember very distinctly being on a date with a girl, and she just said, "Your lo- your roof is leaking on me." Uh, as we're in the middle of the date, uh, and it was not a euphemism. No, no, not at all. It was raining, and she was getting <laughs> leaked on uh, by my roof. Uh, oh, I, I got locked in the trunk asking a girl to homecoming in that trunk, <laughs> uh, which is a story that is too long for right now. But uh, let's just say it was a long, difficult process getting locked in the trunk, um, and I will never hop into a car trunk ever again because I, I, it's a, it was a rough one. That's awesome. Like first car stories are great stories. I love it. Shells, what do you got? So is this first car we drove or first car we owned? You go with what you okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I think my mine is like I don't think I owned it. I think it was dad's. Yeah, yeah. So I I yeah, first car I ever drove was my parents' car, but I'll go with the first one I owned. Cool. Uh and I didn't own a car until I joined the army. Um, and it was uh 2003 Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I, I bought it from my mother who literally drove it to work and back. So I knew it was in great condition and it it lasted me forever. Uh but um, it had like 150,000 miles on it and it was still starting in negative 30 degree weather at Fort drum in 2009 and 10 and part of 11. Uh, so, uh, she got me through some tough winters up there. So I, I, I appreciate it, but I'll never forget. Uh, I was driving home or driving from home to Fort drum in the winter. I used to get up really early in the morning because I was I lived like three and a half hours um, from Fort Drum. That's where my I grew up. So I used to go home a lot. And I remember getting up one morning at like 2 a.m. to drive back so I could get there in time for work. And uh, the windshield wiper fluid froze up and my windshield uh, wipers froze. <laughs> I just had a big sheet of dirt and, and ice and I'm driving um, on I-90 on my way to Fort Drum with my head out the window <laughs> until I couldn't do it anymore. And I had to call in and, and tell them that I wasn't going to be there. And I got in a little, little bit of trouble, but uh, um, I had to get it towed because I it was just too dangerous. But other than that, she was a fantastic car and, and got me through a lot of uh, tough winters. Did you try to do the thing where like you like reach out like to the front of the windshield and try to like try to break it? Yeah, it, or wipe it was it? like dumb yeah. and dumber. I'm like head <laughs> out the window and I'm trying and I'm like, this is so dangerous. It's three in the morning and it's pitch black and it's winter in upstate New York. Um, and I'm driving on a highway doing excessive speeds. And it, I'm like, I need to pull over and call triple A. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yeah. All right, Brendan, your turn. 
All right. My first car, again, it was, it, it was mine, but like, obviously my parents owned it. They got us, they got it for me. And then my younger brother, it was a 2003 purple Chrysler Concord. And God, this thing was just ugly as hell, but I'm pretty sure my parents got it because they're like, well, if you're in a wreck, it's so freaking long on either side, you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, it feels like it was like six feet on the nose and then the trunk and the trunk you talk about like trunk stories. I could probably fit like at least like five people in there. And I think we probably did at one point fit. We put someone back there when we were going somewhere. Cause we just didn't have enough room. I don't have like too many crazy stories in it. My favorite one though, is when we were in college, my, my friends and I, we went to the bar and one of them who wasn't 21 yet, he wasn't going out. So I was like, Hey man, can you like, just drive us home or something like he, I don't know where he was, but he was able to uh, take my car, pick us up, all of that. And we're driving home. We're not too far from campus, but my uh, one of my friends just starts flipping off the car next to us. And they took that as a challenge to try and bait us into hitting them. And like they were speeding in front of us and then slamming on the brakes. And I'm in the backseat of my own car just basically like held hostage by this kid that's driving it who he's a friend of mine, but I'm like, please, for the love of God, like just get out of this. And this person was doing everything they could to try and get us to hit them. My friend who did is is laughing his ass off. I'm pretty much pooping my pants. Cause I was like, please don't hurt my car. And it was like, I'll never, I'll never look at the car the same way because I, I thought I was going to die that night. It was crazy, but I think the, I will say my current car is not a much better upgrade. And I think this is like one of my favorite fun facts. I drive a 2005 Toyota Corolla. Nice. That's a, that's a shagging wagon. That's the Mitch special, isn't it? Pretty much, man. That thing has been, I've had it for almost 10 years. It's my car. Like, obviously I own it. That thing has been a tank. I love Toyotas and I'm going to drive that thing into the ground. Yes. And just whenever I need a new car, I'm getting a Toyota. But man, that thing has been just an absolute beast for me. There's nothing better than not having a car payment. Seriously. And like I look at I've got a, I love my house and I'm like, I can afford a house and certain things and not have to deal with a car payment. And I know I'm jinxing myself here, but that's I think it's funny because everyone's like, don't you want a new car? I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't need it. Was there a nickname? Was it, please tell me your car's name was Grimace or Barney. No, I actually, I'm not a big car nickname guy. Okay. It's and it, shells, yeah. did your, shells. Did yours have a nickname? No. Uh, no. Okay. No, I didn't Fair enough. Have a Just curious. Nickname uh, my brother-in-law uh, had a 1983 Brown Monte Carlo. He got T-boned by a woman on the passenger's side. Instead of fixing it up, he took the cash, got another car, gave my brother and I, the Monty. We called it the boss, the boss Monty. You had to get in like Dukes of Hazard style. You had to get in on the passenger side because we couldn't open the other door. Uh, you had to pop the trunk and put a pencil into the air filter to get it started because it wouldn't normally just start. There was a, this is for the old time, like squat. This is for you, Scott Schwartz. It had a Bose pullout stereo. There was a time in which you would have a specific stereo that you could pull out of the dash and take with you so that it wouldn't get stolen. So it was a Bose pull-out stereo with speakers that just sat in the back seat. 
Like they weren't installed or anything. They just friggin' sat in the back seat. So that was that was the 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 poop brown boss money. All right, gentlemen, it is time to get out of here. It is time for shout outs for this week. Uh, for shout outs, let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. So I don't have a, a specific individual, uh, but I just I want to shout out the the Bears fans that are staying kind of level headed throughout this process. And like, I get it, guys. You, you may think that we're being a little bit negative, um, but after a loss, usually there are more negative things to talk about. Uh, but it is a long season and it's it's going to be a long process. And um, we're not going to draw any definitive conclusions until this season's over. Uh, but along the way, we're probably going to comment when things don't look good. And we'll tell you who's playing well. We'll tell you who's in the penthouse. But we're sure as heck going to tell you who's in the outhouse, too. And um, and so, you know, for those that are kind of staying level headed and objective throughout all this process. Thank you. Um but just know that like, that's what we're trying to do week in and week out. We're not here to bash anybody. We're not, we don't have agendas. We don't have um, our guy that we're, we're politicking for. We're just trying to tell you what we see on a week to week basis. So uh, for those that appreciate that, thank you. Uh, my one shout out just goes to my buddy, Tyler Tosh. I've shouted him out a couple times on this podcast, but he is the one that got married yesterday. It was a beautiful wedding. I thankfully was off Twitter and away from my phone for most of everything. So I just did not see people melting down on Twitter. And I think Shell's put it, put it best. Like everybody's going to have opinions and it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be, you know, critical of individuals or teams that aren't doing well, but in the end we want, we want the bears to win. You know, we don't, we don't really have agendas. So um, that was kind of, that was a kind of nice break off Twitter. And I actually, did the thing I said I was going to do last week and said, I'm going to stay off Twitter for most of the game. And I did. And that was kind of nice. So maybe that's why I'm not as mad as others. But anyway, all that to say, shout out to Tyler Taj and his beautiful wife, Hannah. Uh, it, it was a beautiful wedding. And I'm just so thankful that I was able to celebrate it with you guys. And um, I look forward to many years of our friendship continuing. I can't wait to hear the continued uh, escapades of the uh, the Brendan Shigrew wedding junket. It's every week. <laughs> one more, there's, one more this there's year. Hangovers and, and and parties. I love it. Um, I have two non Twitter shout outs. First of all, shout out to my daughter Peyton Wright and her doubles partner Taylor Z, who were the Fresh Soft doubles champs. Let's go uh, for tennis. Yeah, it's cool. It's so nice to not know anything about tennis. And then just be there for your daughter and watch watch her play and be like, good job, you. It's such a great feeling. So congratulations to those two girls. And then to my buddy, uh, Chris Spencer, who lives in Florida, his parents uh, lived in Fort Myers, live in Fort Myers. And luckily they hightailed it over to the other side of the peninsula to stay with Spence. We call him Spence and are safe and fine. But here's the deal. Like usually when there's a hurricane, my buddy Spence, like he downplays it. There's there's a party. There's drinking. One time he got his rollerblades out, took his grill cover and like quite literally was like riding the hurricane. But this time he said he, he was I mean, he was seriously concerned. He didn't know where two of his friends were at one point. Like and then I knew that shit was serious down there. So to anybody that has family or friends or like. I mean, this is not just like your obligatory. You know, I hope everybody's OK. Truly. 
can't even imagine what that must have been like and hope that your loved ones and everybody is okay if if you have anybody down in Florida. Uh, I'm going to continue the theme and stay off of Twitter for this one. Uh, And I'm giving it to a Miami Dolphins fan. Gentlemen, stay with me on this, though. Uh, Jason Sinek uh, would have had his 28th birthday a couple days ago, uh, but unfortunately passed a few years back. And I had an opportunity to know the young man, and he just he was he was special Um, and have been able to communicate with his dad quite a bit. Um, I'm maybe going to have him come and talk uh, when we have the Bears and Dolphins face off. That could be uh, really kind of a neat moment. Um, and it just, uh, you know, was should have been celebrating his 28th birthday and it's just gone too soon. And so, Jason, um, you and your dad are very, very much in my thoughts for this one. Folks, there's nothing else to say other than thank you. Uh, we know that there's so many places you could be getting your Bears content and We'll just say it again. We're, we're going to try as hard as we can to be objective, but we're still Bears fans. And there's a lot of passion here, uh, something that that we're all feeling, you know, and, and we record this on Sunday night after the game. And so, you know, that there, you're definitely getting uh, some of the raw emotion that, that we're all feeling. Patrick Sheldon looking in your direction uh, this evening, but, uh, but just know that uh, when we see, you know, that we post an episode and how many people are listening right off the bat uh, and people telling us that they're listening as soon as the episode drops, man, I just, we, we can't put that into words, how much that means to all of us that we started this thing and, and you guys are listening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of us at the bear down Chicago podcast. That's Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagru, Jack Wright, and Logan Bradley. Thank you so very much for listening, folks. And as always, bear down, Chicago.